0: Welcome to the ARC Centre of Excellence for Automated Decision-Making and Society podcast. My name is Cathy Nichols and today we are talking to Professor Kath Aubrey about her recent ARC Future Fellowship Award and the research she will be undertaking as part of this. Kath is an Associate Investigator of the ADMS Centre and Professor of Media and Communication at Swinburne University. Her research investigates digital self-representation and the role of user-generated media in young people's formal and informal sexual learning, safety and well-being. Welcome to the podcast today, Kath.
1: Thank you, Cathy.
0: Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Hey, um, firstly, congratulations on the ARC Future Fellowship Award.
1: Yeah, thank you very much. It's um, exciting slash terrifying.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And, um, so many of the researchers in the center seem so supportive and excited about, about the future fellowship. I guess for our listeners and those that aren't familiar with what this actually means for research. Um, so what is, what is an ARC future fellowship itself?
1: Yeah, these are four years of funding um, and they include a salary component, which is quite significant. Most Australian Research Council grants don't include salary and they are for mid-career researchers. So you need to be a certain number of years out from your PhD in order to be eligible. And You are required to be undertaking a program of research that has quite significant national benefit and you need to have demonstrated that in the application. And you also need to demonstrate capacity for research leadership and mentoring. So it's about um, really advancing your work as a researcher if you are the fellow, but it's also about building Australia's research capacity more broadly by mentoring and supporting Junior researchers as part of the fellows' team. So they're, they're a significant win, which is why I'm quite excited and I'm, I'm definitely very um, grateful for all the support in the centre.
0: Yep, absolutely. And so I guess there you mentioned that you'll be, um, there'll be some like HDR researchers involved as well. Um, How many of those are going to be part of the project?
1: Yeah, as part of the funding, I have a four-year scholarship for a a PhD student, and that will be an advertised position. So I'll be looking for someone whose research interests and or professional experience aligns with the the topic of the project. And I also have um, a postdoctoral fellowship as part of the project, also funded for four years at three days per week.
0: That sounds fantastic. And I've had a little look at the um, project and what you'll be doing. So can you share with our listeners a bit about that?
1: Yeah, the, the project is aiming to develop and enhance digital literacy and data literacy in the sexual health workforce in Australia. The Australian STI strategy, so sexually transmitted infection strategy, had a note in it. I realised the current strategy says that understanding the social drivers that influence the rates of STIs in Australia, such as social media and other technology platforms, um, is a critical gap in the current Australian uh, STI response, but there's not really any work in the health sector directly addressing this. I know from my own work um, in partnership with public health practitioners that this isn't a space where most public health promotion people or clinical service providers get pre-service training. And a lot of them have very little in-service training. In my discipline of media and communications and cultural studies, there's a tradition of doing lots of work that critiques the approach to um, digital cultures within health promotion or sexuality education, but um, surprisingly little practical or applied partnership with health organizations. So the aim of this project is to yeah. do some um, theoretical work reconceptualizing what digital literacy or data literacy means in the context of sexual health and, and sexual health promotion or sexual health care in Australia, but also internationally. So that's the kind of theoretical project. And in the more practical sense, I'll be doing co-design work with Um, young adults in the populations who have been identified in national strategies as being most vulnerable in relation to um, sexually transmissible infections or or HIV and also working with health professionals. So we're going to co-design resourcing in the space um, and do some knowledge translation work so that the people who are, are using Digital culture as a way of learning about sexuality or sharing sexual health information are in direct dialogue with health workforces.
0: I really love the idea of that model where you're sort of on the ground, and it's almost like yeah, you'll be. It's almost like you'll be able to make the changes as you go, or influence the providers, yeah, via via the users, I guess, in a way.
1: Yeah, in in the. In the, in the linkage project, I um, completed not long ago a partnership with Anthony McCosker, who's also at the Swinburne ADMS hub and uh, some sexual health promotion partners. we did we, we undertook a similar process where we partnered with dating app users, but also with health promotion staff. And it was quite an iterative process to better understand the ways that app users understood safety and risk and sexual health in dating app culture and, yeah, it, it, it is a really productive approach. So I'm really pleased to be doing it again.
0: So I, w- I was wondering, and I don't know how far this might go, but with that kind of research, is do you think anything will come out of it that could inform the um, sexual health education in schools?
1: Uh, in this project I am very specifically looking at 18 to 29-year-olds. So the, the Australian... STI strategy and the, um, the HIV strategies to identify young people collectively as a, a high risk group that should be targeted with resources. There's been some interesting research conducted here in Australia, which demonstrates that really, although the strategy defines young people as kind of broadly 15 to 29-year-olds, most of the resourcing and research to date has targeted school age children. So I talked about sexuality education in the past. Uh, I've done some work around schooling and, and sexuality education and digital culture. So the reason that I really want to um, work with app users over 18 or, or you know, people who use Um, social platforms or or whatever it is they're using to learn about and share health information is that most people are not really all that sexually active until after they leave school. Um, Most people's sexual identity and sense of sexual self and what they like and what they dislike really evolves in their early 20s. And I think that If you were only relying on the sexuality education or your sense of your own sexuality and what you were interested in that you had learned about in school prior to the age of 18, you would be pretty hard done by. And I think a lot of people really are seeking a lot of information now online about sexuality and sexual health because um, their 20s are a time of sexual exploration. And so for that reason, I think, digital culture or a kind of attention to digital culture is probably even more important for that age group than it is for under 18s because it's a highly sexually active (laughs) group. And so much of the focus for under 18s is, oh, well, sexting's against the law. So we'll tell you a little bit, but basically we're going to tell you not to do it. Once you're over 18, pretty much legal to do everything as long as it's consensual. But if all the messaging you've had in the past is risk focused and you haven't had practical information on how to undertake pleasurable, safe um, sexual activity that supports your sexual health and your well-being, you're kind of in a void right now in Australia as term, in, in terms of formal health promotion. There are no big sexual health campaigns really in Australia. Um, It's very ad hoc and very PC. And so that's why I would really, um, I'm really relishing the opportunity of focusing on this over the next four years, because I think there's some really positive, supportive sexual health information on platforms like TikTok and Instagram or whatever. But there are also some really, you know, some sites of disinformation and misinformation. If you think of, for example, Um, the kind of pick-up artist forums where basically, you know, coaching might be offered on undermining someone's affirmative consent practice and and manipulating them in ways in relation to their sexuality. I think a really solid understanding of digital culture is is going to be increasingly important for thinking about sexual health and, and sexual wellness.
0: Yeah, makes a lot of sense, Kath. And so it sounds like will you be recruiting, looking to recruit people as far as um, helping in this, in the project, or you've got a way of how you will be connecting with your younger adults to talk about their use of digital media? So
1: in the first year, we are primarily um, working with uh, expert stakeholders in the field of sexuality, education and, and sexual health, but also in the field of digital literacy and data literacy because I, I'm looking to incorporate an understanding of things like content moderation and regulation and platform governance, data privacy, data security into the notion of digital literacy. It's not just about uh, the content I guess or the representations in the in the content. But yeah, from the second year of the project, I'll be working both with organizations I've partnered with in the past, so sexual health organizations like the Australian Federation of AIDS Organizations or Family Planning in Australia to recruit young people through their networks. We also want to work with other kind of peak bodies or advisory bodies that uh, work with communities that are not always part of co-design processes. So for example, in the, in the dating app um, research we did, It was clear that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander dating app users are having different experiences on dating apps, which include a lot of racism and a lot of very targeted aggression. Similarly, sex workers have very distinct needs in relation to sexual health and platform use. So we'll also be recruiting um, co-researchers through uh, the peak bodies for sexual health service provision that are peer-led or community-led and those researchers uh, will be part of our team and will help us steer culturally appropriate and, and hopefully culturally safe research practices to, to make sure that there's quite a broad level of inclusiveness you know, I'm a middle-aged cis white woman. I have a, I have a very particular experience of uh, academia and research and even living in Australia. It's not a universal experience and I, I don't want to create a project that pretends that it is.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you've got a really broad and supportive group or all, all ready to go sort of thing and I guess that's part of an ARC a fellowship is Sort of, you've already demonstrated that you work with these groups. I was wondering, what do you think you'll find most interesting about your research?
1: Um, look, I think I think the most interesting thing for me about this kind of work, when I've done it in the past, is that um, the ways that researchers imagine various groups whether that's a a group of health professionals or a group of young people who are using a platform the ways that we might imagine they define a term like safety for example or safe sex is is never quite borne out by (laughs) what actually happens in a workshop context and and you know people are very creative in the ways they understand their own bodies and their sexualities and their sexual health. People who work in organisations are very creative about the ways they navigate bureaucracy. And I think it's that creativity and the ways that people make do, in a sense, in in really imperfect and challenging environments that is the most surprising and creative aspect of research. And it's, it's what I think has really kept me involved in this kind of work over the past 20 years.
0: Yeah, and how fascinating. Now, um, also, what do you think, will there be any challenges along the way, do you think?
1: Uh, Look, there are always challenges in any research activity. And, you know, sometimes it's banal stuff, like, keeping up with your paperwork, um, which I'm not great at. I think uh, working with over-18s, I am hoping, will be less challenging than working with under-18s. I think there's a lot of creativity, as I said, and a lot of goodwill in the health sector at the moment and particularly post-COVID, I mean, not that we're post-COVID, but post the experience of covid a lot of organizations that were very wary about digital culture and digital platforms have had to just hold their nose and jump in and um, experience digital culture in new ways. Um, and for a lot of health outreach organizations, it's been really interesting for them, I know, for example, to realize that they actually are reaching a whole new cohort of people in their community who really want to talk about sexuality or their experience of gender, but don't want to come into a room (laughs) with strangers at the end of the working day and be part of a workshop. Um, But they are happy to get on Zoom and you know maybe with a false name and not even turning their camera on so using the kind of capacity for anonymity that people have really valued on platforms like Tumblr or Reddit for example and talk about questions they might have about their sexual health or their or their sexuality as it relates to their mental health and I think right now is a really good moment for a project like mine because there are many organizations that have Really scrambled to move into the digital space and are now realizing they probably need to take um, a step back and and look at issues like data security and data privacy, for example, for their clients that they hadn't thought about that much because they just had to jump on and so yeah, so I think it's a good moment for this project
0: so at the end of four years, um, what sort of impact do you think or what do you think you might be able to bring? to this to this area and to this problem or this gap that you said that had been identified?
1: Yeah, sure. Well as as part of the project, we actually um in, in the third and fourth year of the project, I have um a role for a media producer joining the team to create some artifacts and resources. And so one legacy of the project we hope will be um, a nice selection of usable resources for organisations, um, firstly for Australians, but obviously with international relevance, given that they'll be online, they can be scooped up by anyone, so that people within health organisations or the broader health sector are able to immediately pick up the findings from the project, um, particularly the co-designed content where young adult media users have actually made their own recommendations um, for best practice, I guess you might call it. So that will be one output. And we're hoping too, that there will be opportunity to work with policymakers so that the current Australian sexual health strategies um, will be redeveloped from 2022, 2023. So there's definitely potential to be working with the committees at the higher level that develop strategy around STI and HIV responses, and hopefully step those strategies forward. So they're not just acknowledging that social media and tech platforms are an issue, but they're a gap in our current knowledge, but to actually make some recommendations about the ways that professionals can engage with these spaces in their in their practice
0: that sounds amazing yeah it's so it's great to hear about everything you're doing with the fellowship and I'm keen to see the outcome of your research so thank you so much for joining me here today okay thanks very much you've been listening to a podcast from the ARC Centre of Excellence for Automated Decision Making and Society for more information on the centre go to www.arc.org admscentre.org.au